stand up. Let's put our hands together.
praise. All right, let's just pray. Lord God, we just thank you for bringing us to this place once again this week and just uh, a chance to truly really connect to you and, and just stop everything else that's going on in the world, the busyness, the hecticness, and just wake and focus on you together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we give you praise for this time. Just empty us out and fill us up with your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, as our children are leaving for our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry, say hi to somebody. Good morning. That was lame. Good morning. How are you today? Everybody good? Feeling like fall? Looking like fall? Please don't fall. Okay. All right. No, we're just glad that you're here. If you're visiting today, welcome. We welcome you to Haven Community Church. We're just glad that you're here, and hopefully you received a card as you came in. I just fill that card out. It's your first time here, or if you've been here before and didn't fill that out and hand that in, um, we have a small gift for you. Just thank you for being part of our church that you can take with you and just uh, and take us with you, and um, and hopefully we can connect with you at, um, at some point. All right? So um, it's good here. You see there's some festive things here, and there's um, some different flowers here. These are here. You know, this is, this is dedication. This tells you what marriage does for somebody. Um, right here, right, Dave? Dave and Jamie got married yesterday in our church right here. And see, she made him get up and go to church today. Nice, so. Right? Good job, Jamie. All right. So you get a couple more dogs because of that now, so. All right. And so... um, um, and then we also, so that's what um, many of these flowers are, but we also recognize that June is with us today, and we mentioned last week about the untimely death of her son, Scott. Um, they had his uh, memorial service yesterday as well, and so the, the flowers over there are in memory of, of him, and so we just want to be with um, June and Paul and the entire family um, during this time of loss. As we know, oh, um, usually it takes about a week or two for the uh, er- full thing to hit, and um, so we definitely want to continue to surround uh, June and the family it, with this love and support because we do love you. You're part of our family. That's right. And so whatever you need, you just let us know. Um, all right. Um, so we definitely just want to keep those things together in prayer. Um, today after church in the Bell Cafe, if you're visiting, it's right out these doors, right over there in the um, corner, the Bell Cafe. If you would like to know more about Haven or just getting connected to the church or anything else, um, just a, a very brief time. We're going to meet right out there, and we're bribing you with donuts. Um, so that's, and if you don't like donuts, then call, something's wrong with you. Um, but, um, but for those of you who do, there's coffee out there as well. Um, you can eat my share of donuts uh, as well. So um, next Sunday, um, the 25th, is that next Sunday, or did we shift that? The 20th, we moved it? 
Yeah, the 25th. Um, that is our introduction. Are we doing that next week? I thought we changed it. Two weeks, sorry. I don't know what day it is. That's right. Today's the 11th. Um, two weeks, um, not next Sunday. It says next Sunday here. Um, but um, two weeks, um, we are going to go ahead and have our membership class. So if you want to become a member, um, if you're transferring membership, we'll need to know that information. Or if you just want to say, hey, I want to start out and become a member of Haven. This is the church I want to be part of. Um, awesome. We'd love for, for you to go ahead and do that. And we'll have some more information. So, that's what, so if you have questions about that, you can ask out here at the Bell Cafe after church today. Disciple Bible study, before we know it, it'll be October 29th, and we'll be beginning those. Um, and then you can see, and we'll have more information about that. Trunk or Treat will be the 30th um, at 6.30, and contests, costumes, games, and more. Food and more. I forgot food. So it's fun for the whole family. If you have any questions, you can see um, Kate Allen's uh, contact information there. Um, so uh, Haven's Helping Hands will meet today after church in Classroom B. And next Sunday is Parish Foundation. So we're good there, right? Okay, that's awesome. So we, we, it's a, a, a great gift that we're doing. But in that same vein, you also recognize you have this in your bulletin, a coat drive. Many of you, it's about that time. How many of you have done, are get beginning or dreading doing the, the clothing change? Anybody have to do that, the change of clothes? You got to wash them all because they smell like stink bugs. <laughs> got you, right? So remember before stink bugs, then it was silverfish? All right, so now you got to, um, and then they smell like mothballs. So, but anyway, um, so now you're bringing them, um, you're getting the stuff out. If you have some coats that you don't need, don't want, that are in good shape, bring them in. We are going to be a collection center, and we want to go ahead and help people who, um, who don't have the opportunity to help them keep warm, gloves, all the other kind of stuff. It's all on the sheet. So don't just take that, throw it away with the rest of the bulletin or whatever. Go ahead, look at it, put it somewhere. Um, put it on your dash or when you go to Walmart or when you w- put it on your attic steps when you're going there to make clothes change. You can dig out some of those and bring them in. All right? Um, and, and you can read the other information that's there. Okay? Um, we have some prayer requests. Um, Liz Ashby asked for prayers for her daughter, Renee Short. She will deploy this week um, to, where is that? United Arab Emirates. So we want to go ahead and lift her in prayer. Um, also, Donna asked for prayer for Alice Potts, who's having surgery on this Thursday, or had surgery on Thursday. Jennifer, who will be? Will be? Okay, good. Thank you. Jennifer Legullo, um prays for Wes and Emily Hewitt, who are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. 50th? 50 years, huh? <laughs> this week. Wes said he was five when they got married. Is that correct? So <laughs> congratulations. Um, what? Okay, there we go. Good. <laughs> All right, good. Um, Jennifer also has prayers for a procedure she's having Thursday to blast a kidney stone. So we'll definitely want to pray for her. Um, Rodney and Jane, traveling mercies for Jim Guyberson, their son who's flying for his job to Japan, and for Dave and Jamie who are traveling today to begin their honeymoon on a cruise, and for Gracie and Susan who are flying back from California. So I want to be your friends because everybody's traveling. <laughs> so that's what I want to do. Um, but we want to pray for traveling mercies there. All right. Um, and do we have uh, any, uh, again, keep uh, June and family in prayers. Um, do we have any others that we really need to update or add to the prayer? Yes, right there. Okay, 
so there's a baby who was born and then passed away. Is that what you said? Okay. So be praying for the lady in season. So we uh, what's the husband's name? Jeremy and Roxanne. We want to lift them for us. Rodney. Yeah, definitely the people in South Carolina who are, yeah, who are still dealing with a lot of things there. So we want to continue to lift those people. And as always, we want to lift up those in the military and everything else. Okay, so lift up Charlotte, dealing with cancer. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and there are so many needs, so many things that uh, we don't even begin to scratch the surface. But we thank you that we have a place where we can come to, connect, and, and just really begin to seek your face and, and know exactly what you want for our lives. And so, God, just um, during this time together, um, just help us set those things aside, those prayers that we've lifted up, God. Um, you know the needs. You know the means of, of making them better or, or bringing your peace to the situation. Just go ahead and do that for us, God. Uh, so many things, so many things going on in our world. And uh, for those of us who have joys, God, we give you thanks for those, for milestones, for connections with those who we may have uh, had uh, broken connections with over the years. We just thank you that, that you're bridging gaps and that you're making a way. So God, as we continue further in the service today, we just want to stop and thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. Even with the roller coasters of life, that those high points uh, bring about some low points and we're just not quite sure where to turn all the time and what the next turn is going to be. But through it all, God, you've blessed us, you've encouraged us, you've strengthened us, and you brought us together as a family here today. And so as a portion of, of our love for you and our thanks for you, we take this time to go ahead and give back to you. As we continue this act of worship by giving to you, we recognize that in the storms of life, we, we don't know where to turn, but we know that we have a lighthouse. We have somebody who's there. We have somebody who, who is a beacon of hope. That even when it's dark and even when it's dreary and even when there's loss, that God, you take, you take whatever's going on in our lives and we keep our eyes focused on you. You make a way. And so I ask for a special blessing upon the giver and the tither. Multiply and use their gifts that they give here today to further your kingdom here and around the world. So that God, we can do your work. Not ours, but do yours. We'll be your hands and feet but we'll give you all the glory and honor for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. I just want to extend the worship a little bit longer today. So let's all stand up. You'll thank me later after the sermon. A little, you get plenty of seat time in Jack's talking. Yeah. Now we're going to sing My Lighthouse. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, oh. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In my questions of today, your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. 
again. We are going to start a new series. If you're here today for the first time, we are starting a new series. It is called Perspective. And um, our first uh, day, um, perspective is an interesting thing. I've often talked about a person's perspective is actually reality to them. Because if you believe something and you view it some way, then guess what? You're saying that's real. And so we're going to talk a little bit about perspective. Today, we're, the title of the sermon is called What, Why, Why, What? It's creative, huh? All right. But this uh, series on perspective is going to be based in the book of Philippians. Um, it's, a, it's an awesome book in the Bible. And I just want to spend some time starting off today since this is our first series, uh, our first day in the series. I just want to spend some time kind of opening up and explaining some things about, uh, about the book of Philippians. And so we're going to do a, some background history. But I'm going to give you some other stuff that you can really apply this uh, in, um, in the uh, scripture and, and going on. So, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and I'd like to read um, our verse from scripture. So Melinda, if you want to go back there, we'll re- be reading from Philippians chapter 1, and I will primarily be reading verses 2 through 7. Okay, that's our scripture lesson today. So here we go. <clears throat> Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in change or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And this is God's word. So here we go. You ready? Got your seatbelts on? Revving your engine? Let's go. All right. Um, let's give me a little background history on this, where this uh, book of Philippians comes from. And if you look at this, I'm going um, to show you a map. Uh, the Apostle Paul did several journeys. And this is uh, his second missionary journey. Paul being... Paul was the original really kind of church planner. And what he wanted to do, he had, when he had a conversion and a connection with Jesus, he wanted to get moving and share the gospel. And there was persecution in, in Jerusalem, so they started spreading out over the known world. Now, Paul was great because the apostle Paul had a Roman citizenship, so he could travel all over the place. And you can see up there in the top uh, toward the right, uh, left from you guys is a place called Philippi. And these are some of the churches he made this kind of trek around the Mediterranean and planted churches. He did several the first time. These, uh, Philippi was in the second time, and now he's coming back. Uh, and then he also did a third missionary journey as well. And Paul started this church, and he wanted to, well, how he would do it, he would start a church, gather people together. He would raise up leaders. After they were strong enough, he would then leave, go somewhere else, and he would hand the church over to the leaders. Um, that were there. Now the Philippian church started around, he started around 52 AD, and this letter that he writes, the Philippians, the, book, the letter to the book of the Philippians, it happens around 10 years after that, so it's about 62 AD. So this is about 20 years, he started this church about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and he has a ton of love and affection for this church. He's writing basically this letter to the Philippians as a nice thank you note. You remember when people wrote thank you notes? 
Okay, this is like one of those main thank you notes. Paul, we don't know what it was, but Paul was in a significant time of need. And Paul, throughout his entire ministry, would, you'd hear him say things like, you know, when it came down to it, I didn't take a dollar from you. I didn't do this for you. I worked myself. I did this. But he was in a great time of financial need uh, from what we know. And the Philippian church heard about it took a great love offering and gave it to him. And Paul was extremely overwhelmed by this gift. As I said, it rarely happened. And so he wrote this very heartfelt letter of thanks. There's a lot of emotion in it. And there's also a lot of gentle and loving instruction as well. So as we go through this series, through the high points of Philippians, one of the interesting things that we find out in this book is that there's a a theme that continues to roll throughout this entire book and it's simply the term and the concept called joy joy now when i was in kindergarten uh, i'm not kindergarten but when i was in sunday school i had a teacher who taught me all about joy and joy meant jesus others and you and i'm no longer in in sunday school and i still remember that but jesus others and you but what i want to talk about if you look in this rejoice joy or some derivative of that is found some 19 times in this small letter that Paul wrote so there's a ton of joy that is coming from the apostle Paul who actually when you begin to unpack this his situation is anything but joyful it's actually a miserable scary situation that he's dealing with and when we look at our perspective you know we say oh isn't that nice he's writing a letter because most of the time we write thank you notes We're just coming off of a high, right? We're coming off of a wedding. And we write thank you notes. Or we're coming off of a graduation. Coming off of a birthday, surprise birthday, right? Isn't that where we write thank you notes mostly? And we're not coming through a time where life is super difficult. We usually don't write uh, thank you notes when we're going through a time where we've lost our job. And we decide, I think I'll just say thank you to people. We don't write our boss and say, thank you for firing me or for corporate downsizing. That's not how we work. And if anything, we write other kinds of notes. Now we call it Facebook. All right. But what we see here is that if we change our perspective, it changes how we read this account from Philippians. Now I want to ask you a couple quick questions here. Have you ever met somebody that you don't like? Like you meet them, and right away you're like, mm, no, not going to be at my house, okay? Um, yeah, there are several. Um, you know, I mean, anybody ever been to the gym? All right. If you've been to the gym, you ever realize like somebody may be working out next to you, they've done nothing, but you just don't like them? Anybody? You ever just like walk into a place and you just don't like somebody? They may be a little bit nasty, snobby, rude, stuck up when you first meet this person, and you're like, what is wrong with you? They're arrogant, they're nasty, and you say, and he's the pastor of Haven Church. Um, (laughs) But after you begin to learn a little bit more about them and their story and where they came from and maybe what happened to them and how maybe they fought through some stuff, you might begin to have a change of perspective and say, wow, I never had a clue that that's what they went through. No wonder. Or maybe you're just having a real bad day. Anybody ever had a bad day? Week? Month? Year? Life? You're running late? 
you're stuck in traffic down 40 because they keep tearing it up. <laughs> but we gripe if they didn't, okay? Um, nothing seems to be going right. You th- go left, you should have gone right. You go right, you should have gone left. You say, hap- you, you plan for warm weather, it's cold. This time of year has got you all sick and not feeling well. It's just a bad day. And then all of a sudden you run into somebody who's dealing with something that's really, really difficult in life. They've lost somebody or something tragic has happened to them. And I got to tell you, sometimes just in life, I'm going to share something with you. People will tick you off. There are some very, very, very self-centered people in this world who just drive me absolutely batty. Anybody met them? If not, hang out with me for a week. I find them all the time. So what I want to do today is as we have these situations in life, but even when we have the people that that take you off and stuff, what I found out is sometimes if you just let it go and you go ahead and find out about the person and you get time to talk to people. I'm one of those people that ever since I was a kid, if, if I hang in there long enough, people will tell me their life. It's a blessing and a curse. But when they do tell me, I get to find out, oh, that's why you're that way. All right? And I changed my perspective on some people. Okay, we'll put it that way. But today I want to give you information. And we, want about, and we want to talk about how we can change our perspective as we read and understand some of this information regarding Paul. Um, and hopefully it'll change your perspective. Because Paul's joy-drenched letter from a Roman prison is actually shocking. Did you hear what I said? He's in a Roman prison. He's not having a joyous time hanging out with the, the pontiff in Philadelphia. He's not having a great time in the Vatican. He's not going ahead and on, you know, on a ship, on a cruise ship. No, Paul is in prison for his faith, and he's facing some, some challenges. In Acts 28, we learn that Paul was in this prison for up to two years. Can you imagine and it was kind of a house arrest thing. Can you imagine two years of house arrest where each day they take shifts and you're chained to a Roman soldier just to make sure you don't go anywhere? You see, Paul had desired to go to Rome because that was the epicenter. And he had been going all around the world here and he wanted to take the gospel of Jesus to Rome because that was where it was going to change everything. And he wanted to go as a preacher. But guess what? He's in Rome as a prisoner. Have you ever had a situation where you wanted to go and be prophetic and you end up being a captive and you're wondering what's going on? In this section of scripture, we're going to see how from his change of perspective, even in the midst of trial, that as Paul, we can have joy no matter what circumstance. So let's begin to unpack some of the scripture if we can here today. Sound good? So as we started, verse 2, he starts with grace and peace because that's kind of like, hey, what's up? Um, but he starts off, uh, grace and peace to you from, a, uh, from God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear the emotion here. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. You hear that emotion? I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, there are certain people who have crossed my life that when I think about them, I'm just really thankful to God for in my life. Um, like my grandmother. I've, you heard me talk about my maternal grandmother. Um, every time I think of her, I am so thankful to God that she was my grandmother. She was such a good lady. 
She would do anything for anybody. She was funny. She had a great laugh. And she was just an awesome, loving lady. Um, and I miss her dearly to this day just because of who she is and was important to me. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Like you have those people in your life? Now, I know we all have probably a laundry list of people that when they come to our mind, there's anything but joy. But the Apostle Paul is writing to people like those first ones that we said, every time I think of you, I just have joy in my life. There's certain teachers that I've had in my life that when I think back, I'm like, they were there at a transitional point for me and helped me. And every time I think about them, I think of joy. I think of a guy, and I don't know if anybody had him here. It was a guy named Larry Chalfont in high school. And he was crazy. But he was a great guy. And he just, like, he caused you to want to learn. And there's been people who on Facebook, grown men and women, who have created websites devoted to him just because he was not your normal person. Um, and there's all kinds of things. But I remember him teaching us, and I remember him cutting us down as freshmen in high school, but we loved the connection that we had there as well. There's so many, I, a laundry list, and that's what the Apostle Paul, every time I remember you, I thank God. And then he continues on, and I want you to hear, here's the first time we hear it. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, the first day we met and started this church until this point right now. Here he is. Then he makes another transition here. Now listen to this. Here comes Paul now. Now he's received encouragement from them. He's talking about this partnership in the gospel. Now he's saying, watch what I do. Now I'm going to, he's going to go ahead and encourage them. And he says, now being confident of this, that he, God who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then he transitions. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Doesn't it sound like at some level he's almost writing a love letter? I have you in my heart. I give thanks to God every time I think of you. You're just, we, we've been together in this partnership. Can you sense the emotion and the love and the care that Paul has for these individuals in his life? He said, it's right for me to, to feel this way, et cetera, et cetera. I have you in my heart. And then listen to this. For whether I am in chains, whether I am a prisoner, here's where the perspective is. Whether I am in chains, whether I'm a prisoner or defending and confirming the gospel or a preacher, you see the problem that's going on here? He wanted to go to Rome as a pastor. He told them, that's where I want to go to Rome for. Now he's there as a prisoner. He said, either way, and they have concern for him, he says, Regardless of what situation or what status I'm in, all of you share in God's grace with me. Hey, you know, if I'm chained, I know you're concerned about me, but guess what? Don't worry. I want to ask a question. I want you to be really, really honest with yourselves. How many of you right now have something in your life that you wish were different? How many have something in your life that you wish were different? Just go ahead and raise your hand. We're not going to pry it out of you. You know what it is. But you have one thing in your life that you figure that you would like different. Like, for instance, you know, we're, I learned we're never content. You know, it's like that Katy Perry song, you're hot and you're cold, you're yes and you're no, you're right and you're wrong, you're in and you're out, you're up, you're down. Katy Perry, there you go. There he is. All right, Chris got it. So here you go. When you're younger, what do you want to do? 
I can't wait till I grow up. I can't wait to, when I move out, I'm gonna. And you say, when you're older, man, I wish I was a little bit younger. This was another song. I wish it was a little bit taller. Okay, sorry, I'm gonna get, sorry. Um, or when you're, when you're unemployed, you say, man, I just want a job, any job. I wish I could get a job, but you get a job, get a job, get a job, get a job. When you have a job, you go, man, I hate my job. I wish I was doing something different. I should have made different choices. I wish I, I want a different job. Or this job is beneath me. It's not fulfilling. I don't like my coworkers. Or what about this? I wish I lived someplace else. I wish I lived in a different city, not Cecil Tucky. <laughs> There's the highway, you know. Guess what? When you get there, there's people actually in San Diego, California, who wish they lived somewhere else. Have you ever been to San Diego? It's amazingly beautiful. I'm sure there's people sitting on a beach right now in Hawaii saying, this stinks, I wish I lived in Maryland. <laughs> I guarantee you there's one in the world. There's somebody running around heaven saying, this food doesn't taste as good as I read in the Bible. You know what I mean? There's, when there's something about us, we're never, ever happy. Or you may say, I wish I had different friends. I wish I had friends. Um, I wish I had a different house. Or I wish I had a house. I wish, you know, when it comes to marriage. I wish I was married. If I'm single, I wish I was married. When you're married, you say, I wish I had a different marriage. When you have kids, you, if, if you wanted kids, you say, you don't have kids. I wish I had kids. You have kids? You say, I wish I didn't have kids. I wish they had different kids. I wish my kids were like their kids. I wish my kids behaved differently. Maybe it's because genetics. That's why they do. <laughs> we are never happy because our perspective constantly changes about how we feel, about how the weather goes. Remember in the middle of summer when we're hot? And oh, man, oh, it's miserable. Guess what? It's going to be cold. I'm already getting miserable. I walked out this morning. I was like, no. <laughs> we're not happy. We're not happy with different things. So here's, I wanna get, I'm going to give you three things to write down. I've given you some blanks, and I want to sh- uh, open some of these, and then we'll give two other things, and we're going to call it a day, and hopefully God will connect with you, and you'll have a little bit more joy in life. Number one, number one on top of your second page, is this. We all have a what and don't know why. We all have a what and don't know why. Now right now you're like, Am I like in a Dr. Seuss novel? <laughs> what are you talking about here? We all have a what. A what and a why. What's going, we, in other words, what's going on in my life, I don't understand why. This what in my life, I don't know what is going on, and I don't understand why. Because at different times and at different seasons in our lives, we all have a what and we don't know why. We don't understand why it's happening. We have no clue. We, we run the gamut. I don't, here's the what. Why? And we want to know why. But I want to give you some encouragement here, and this is number two. Number two is this. God always has a why behind the what. It is a Dr. Seuss novel. God always has a why behind the what, Sam, I am. What I want to share this to you is because everybody walking the face of the earth has some point in your life where you say, why? I have this what and I don't know why. But God, I want you to hear this. God does not waste a hurt. 
God doesn't often cause them, but God won't waste it. He won't use your pain and your sorrow for nothing. He's not kicked back on a cloud with his feet up, enjoying your misery. God is different than us. No amen there. We need Gary back. Right? God is different than us. There you go. Because why? His thoughts are not my thoughts. You should all be very, very glad that my thoughts and God's thoughts are not the same. Particularly this week. You should always be glad that my ways are not God's ways as well. God is good. Jack's okay. God is good. God is so good. God is so amazingly good that he can take what the enemy meant for evil. And God is so awesomely good that he can turn an attack into something good. He can build your faith from the things that the enemy meant to crush you. That's our God. God has a why in the what's of our lives, even if we don't understand. You know, I remember that when I graduated from West Virginia University, I came out, I couldn't wait. I got my first job. Some of you have heard this before. I got my first job. I found it in the newspaper. For those of you who don't know what a newspaper is, like the internet that you hold. But... I found, my, I found my first um, job. I went to my first interview, and I got the job. I was doing well. They were doing awesome. They were thrilled. And then I learned about in the mid-'90s corporate downsizing. And I was one of those people. And I had this what, this what that hit me hard because I was planning on getting married in less than a year. I had this what. I wasn't going to live with either one of our parents for that. That's not what we were going to do. So here's this what why, God? What, why? What, why? And I, here I am, a college graduate, having to go stand in an unemployment line. Imagine what that does to your ego. Because it was pretty big coming out. What? Why? And yet through that process, a calling that God had placed a long time ago in my life, he brought me to a point where I had to stop. And sometimes what I find out is God will allow you to get so low that you have no place to look but up. Because guess what? If I dug a hole deep enough and threw you down, you're not going to look around at the walls. You're going to look up how you get out. And God doesn't cause the hole, but he'll allow you to get in that hole so you can look up for him to pull you out. God has a why in the what's of our lives. Number three, I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. I can do as the scripture says. I can trust in the Lord our God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. But I don't have to understand him in order to trust him. So what I want to do from now is the, the remainder of the time is I want to give two questions to ask when life is hard. Because the first thing we're tempted to do when something happens is ask why instead of what. Why? So the first thing that I want, the question I want you to ask, and I want everybody to say this together as we put it up here, now what? Ready? Here we go. Now what? That's the first thing we should ask. And I'm not saying like, oh, everything's caving in. I mean, now what? I'm saying, now what, God? I don't care what's going on. I, you know, I don't like it at all, God. I don't like what's happening to me. I don't like the what. But now what, God? Now what do you want me to do? 
God, now what do you want me to do? Now, God, who do you want me to be? What is this thing? Now what do you want to teach me in this, God? Now what do you want me to do? Now, who do you want me to reach out to? God, what am I going to do with this? I don't understand this, God, but I will trust you. And even though I want to know, because we always want to know, don't we? I want to know why. I would rather you show me now what in my life. I want to know, but if you never give it to me, I definitely want you to say now what? What's my next step? What do you want to do in me? Look at what verse 12 says here. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So I want to ask you a question. What has happened to you? What is it that's happened to you to put that what in your life? Have you lost a job? You have bad finances? You got a bad doctor's report? You lost someone suddenly from your life? You've messed up greatly in all relationships with parents, with spouses, with children, with others? Oh, need my keys? There we go. Welcome to Haven Community Church. We just go with it. <laughs> all right. So you messed up in every area of your life. You may have... You've even messed up that male kitten you bought, that male cat that you bought now had female kittens. Now you got a whole litter. And you don't like cats anyway. But seriously, look at what he says. He says this again. He, he says this, that what has happened to me, it really served to do what? Advance the gospel. And what we find here, this term advance is a military term. And Paul is not writing that briefly. He's writing that down in purpose. To advance the gospel. The military term means move forward. Troops that moving to attack. And specifically, the, this, those who would advance were those who would go forward to clean out the area so that the army behind them could come through without having to go over obstacles and other kinds of things. They were the ones on the first line moving forward. So the Apostle Paul says, yeah, this really stinks. Believe me, I'm not too happy sitting here being chained to... Uh, Roman soldiers, the top Roman soldiers, the Imperial Guard, I'm not happy about it. I'm also not happy about being on house arrest for two years. How many of you would like to be stuck in your house, chained to a soldier for, now some of you would say, oh, that sounds good. Um, but, <laughs> but how many of you would like to be chained to a soldier who doesn't like you? There we go. Um, for two years. I don't think anybody signs up for that. That's where he is. He says, my situation stinks, but guess what? I'm on the front lines to advance the gospel. You notice his perspective was, I want to go to Rome and be a preacher, and I want to speak on the streets, but I came to Rome as a prisoner. And you see, there are times when nothing is good, and you don't see God, and you don't understand it. There are many examples of this in each of your individual lives. But here's the encouragement. If you change the perspective of who, your perspective of who God is and how God works through our lack of understanding, isn't it awesome to know that God's will and strength and power doesn't depend on my understanding of him? Here's what you find out. You find out that God can take your obstacles and make them divine opportunities. Your prison can actually be your pulpit. There's purpose in your prison. God can use that. 
You know, yesterday, Melissa and I and um, a friend of mine, we did a savage race. And it's where you pay money early in the morning to get up and to go out there and crawl through mud and go over these obstacles. And you test yourself in certain areas. And each of these obstacles, and there was like 27 of them in six plus miles. It was like a 10K. And you, yes, you actually pay money for this kind of stuff. Um, and for me, it was great to do it with her and with my friend. But from the, mo- the interesting thing, I was looking at this and I was thinking, God takes our os- obstacles and use them as divine opportunity. There was this thing that was the first time we went to this one, and there's kind of like this nervous fear that occurs. And you see the things online and they scare you to death. And then you sign waivers that if you die, not our fault. <laughs> and you say, what have I gotten myself into? As a matter of fact, the DJ there says, oh, don't worry, you can do whatever. You, you sign the death waiver, right? And you're signing this, and you're paying to do this. And then you come up to the first couple obstacles, you're like, I got this one. And then you come up to something that you don't believe you can do. And if you end up getting through it, there's like this sense of, of accomplishment that in your weakness, you push through. And I started thinking about how, how this is how God works at many times in our life. When we change our perspective, there's this one thing. And this one thing was these pipes that went across and you had to craw- crawl across them. Now, I know I'm, I look massively huge up here um, and muscular. But, I, you know, I have mid-drift and junk in the trunk. So, you know, and, and when you do that to try to get across something, it's not the easiest thing to do when you're built like me. And, you know, I went to this thing, and immediately when I started to grab hold of that pipe, I thought, I'm going to fall midway in this water. And then I readjusted, and I realized it's easier to go this way, sideways. And I started doing it, and I, and I got across it. And I was like, yes! You know? And everybody's like, cool, go on, next one. Uh, but for me, it was one of those things that taught me, and even in this, that when you change your perspective, if you're starting out one way in life, Maybe that's not the what God wants you to know. Maybe he wants you to readapt and approach it from a different way so that you can get across to the other side. Anybody with me? If not, you can sign up for the next mud run, which is in May, and you can do it with me. Um, But you can see that uh, this happens. There's purpose in our prison. How many of you remember this? I've got a picture of this. Now, you've got to be somewhat older. It's a lot of different colors there, Melinda. There you go. You remember these things? Can you do it right now? You should be able to do it. If you can do it. Now, I remember when these things came out, early, mid-90s, remember? And people were like doing these. And I got to tell you, I'd see these things everywhere, and I hated them. Because I could never do it. I would look. You remember people standing in the malls going like this? And they'd say, you got to relax your eyes. And I'd be like, <laughs> no, I see two pictures now. You know, you're doing this kind of stuff, and it would drive you crazy. And then one time. One time I remember sitting, and I remember reading and looking, at, and they had, they had some directions up there, and it said, you need to look past the colors and relax your eyes and see what's there. And you know what began to happen? I saw it. I saw it, and I was like, yes, I finally got it. There it is. And the hallelujah chorus rang out. Anybody see what this is? Anybody got it? Somebody's got it? Eh, you get it? What is it? Nope. Nope. You guys are worse than I am at this thing. So it's a rose, a three-dimensional rose. Didn't see that one, did you? All right. 
<laughs> what begins to happen, you got, I'm going to Google it. All right, here we go. Um, but what begins to happen, what I needed to do was to change my perspective of how I look at it. If I just look at that regularly, I see a bunch of colors and a bunch of dots. But if I look past the colors and I begin to relax my eyes and look in the way that I need to see, guess what? What has always been there, when I looked at this, for that time in the mall and I finally got it what had always been there I finally got to see and I started thinking about this that there are times when I'm in a place in my life where I'm looking and looking and I don't see God anywhere I've got the what that is so heavy and the why that is equally weightier and I'm looking and I'm looking for God and I don't see it but when I look in a different way in a new perspective with my spiritual eyes I see that he was there all the time in the middle of your prison Look with your spiritual eyes and see that God will make clear the now what areas of your life. In verse 13, it says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace, guard, and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You see, Paul wanted, remember I told you Paul wanted to be a preacher in Rome? Came as a prisoner. But look at what God did. As a prisoner, God had him chained to four different imperial guards every day. Why four? Because they would shift off every couple hours, every six hours. They would shift off, and they would, you know, just regular shift work, and change every six hours. And guess what he had right there? He had a captive audience of people who were right next to, to um, Caesar. That's pretty good, huh? But what did it take? It took Paul becoming a prisoner for Christ. Has anybody ever seen Steven Seagal movies? My dad loves Steven Seagal movies. And he and the type I, I'm told that the type of karate he uses is Hakido, where they use leverage. Anybody know how to do that? No, me neither. Um, but when somebody I always thought it was kind of cool when somebody would throw a punch at him, he'd slam him in, he'd use their weight and slam him into something like that. And then as he got bigger and heavier, he'd just lay on him. Yeah, or whatever. But, but what I started thinking is that's what we need to do with the enemy. That when the enemy, Satan is not going to stop throwing punches at you. But when he does, we need to utilize that, change our perspective, and use his momentum to smash him down and sit like big Steven Seagal on top of somebody, a little kid. And be like, there you go, because my perspective is, I don't know the whys and the whats, but guess what? I've got a God who I can trust in no matter what. We need to let Satan get a butt whooping, all right? So right now, some of you are here right now going through a great difficulty and a great trial. But I want to tell you that your trial today can be your testimony tomorrow. That somebody needs to hear what you're going through because somebody else is going through that same thing. Paul says, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have already been encouraged to speak up, to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You know what he had? When Paul was locked up, everybody else started speaking up for him, speaking up for God, and sharing their faith. It helped more. Second question. Here we go. So we have now what, and now we have, here we go, so what? So what? Paul was dealing, he also wanted to deal with some division in the church. It's been 10 years since they've been together, and in verse 15 he says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. 
And let's look at uh, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now let's look at verse 8. And I want you to read this first section to me, with me. But what does it matter? But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And for that, and because of this, I do what? There's that word again, right? Look at that. But what does it matter? The most important thing is that Christ is preached. What does all that stuff matter in your life? People get me riled up at times so much. Anybody get riled up about people? Anybody else? You just want to, I mean, there's some stupid people walking the face of the earth. And there's some selfish, stupid people, which makes it that much worse. You put those two combined together, it's a bad world. There are people who are the most manipulative people who will love you and then stab you at the same point. They will go for you. And and as we read scripture a couple weeks ago, at the end, people will be lovers of self. Not having, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. If you Look around. Look at that verse and look around you. But guess what Paul says? We can get all riled up. We can gossip. We can complain. We can gripe. We can beat the snot out of somebody outside. We can ruin lives and reputations. But guess what? So what? The words in Greek are this, and I have it printed on your bulletin. Tiscar plane. Tiscar plane. You got to say it like plane, like the plane. Okay. All right. That's for you old people. Okay. From the 80s. Fantasy Island. Google Fantasy Island, kids. All right. Um, Tiscar plan means exactly what we have here. What does it matter? So what? So you guys can have a brand new thing. You can just have, if somebody's messing with you and says something, just say Tiscar plane. And they'll have no clue what you said, but you just said, big deal. Who cares? What's the matter? So what? Tiscar plane. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Oh, that's so good. You guys got it down. You're like, I'm putting that one in my, in my belt. I'm going to use that one later. When stuff happens, Tiscar plane. When it doesn't matter. Ask yourself this question. The stuff that we spend so much time frustrated about, and there's been people who frustrated the packet out of me this week, not around here, but in other walks of life. And guess what? What does it matter in 10 years? What does it matter in 100 years? If the stuff you're concerned about is mattering in 100 years, then you need to work about it. But guess what? If it doesn't matter in five minutes, if it doesn't matter in two years, Tiscar plane. Tiscar plane. If our favorite show is interrupted by the presidential speech, Tiscar plane. If you're running late and you go, like we were yesterday, running late and you go and you find out the Sassafras Bridge is out, Tiscar Plain. Every area of life, Tiscar Plain. If your eagles stink, they better get better. Tiscar Plain. If your mountaineers lose in overtime, Tiscar Plain. When we recognize it's not that big of a deal, it'll change your perspective. Oh, no, I'm not saying let people get away with stuff. Oh, no, no, I'm Jack Cohen. I don't do that. We're to hold each other accountable. That's scriptural, too. 
And we're also to be salt and light. And if we're being that, we need to speak prophetically in our world. Don't just roll over. This little Jesus, meek and mild, as I saw Jesus turned over tables when they were desecrating his father's house. What do you think he'd do today? What does it matter? Does it have to do with God? Does it have to do with eternity? Does it have to do with serving and loving others? That's what matters. Look at what he says in verse 21. One of the most audacious, brave, crazy statements ever in Scripture is at the bottom of your bulletin. For me to live is to Christ, and for me to die is gain. What? If I'm continuing living here, I'm living for Christ. But if I die, I get to go be with him. So whether I'm living or I'm dying, I belong to Christ. He wrote this while he was waiting the results from a trial of whether he was going to be killed or not. And you know, it's one thing if you say, and everything's wonderful, the bank account's full, the marriage is great, the kids are well behaved, you love the job, the eagles win, and you're riding down the road, and it's sunny. It's one thing if, if that you say, hey, awesome day, it's great, it's great, no problem, everything's good, to live is for Christ. But when your life is falling apart and you're facing death and you say, whether if I live, I'm going to preach Christ, if I die, I get to be with him. No way, I don't care. That's a perspective that we need to embrace in our lives. For me, is to live, to die is to gain. So I'm going to continue living for and representing Christ. I'm going to be dead to self and live for him. In this joy-filled letter, Paul was facing his own eminent death. So in this first day of the series, Perspective, as our praise team comes up, Wayne, here we go, for you to live, is for you to live, to be Christ, is that what in your life causing you to ask why, 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 why? Or are you going to say, now what, God? And then you're going to say, so what? I want you to try one thing. Then now what's a little bit, you know, you know, you got to work through that a little bit. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to try when somebody, as soon as you walk out of this room today, when somebody takes you off, it might be somebody that steals a donut that you wanted out here. Who knows? <laughs> Tisk our plane. Try it. Stand up. How do we get joyful in life? Tisk our plane. Tisk our plane. Lord God, as we come here today, now I just want to thank you for those who are gathered here and for those who are watching online. Be with us, God. We know that in this world we have trouble. But you said, take heart, I've overcome the world. Let us not just seek to understand and know the whys, but more importantly, God, let us understand the, the now what. Now what, God? Now what do you want to do in my life? Now, God, where are you sending me? God, that job ended. Okay, now what? Now where are you going to send me? God, that relationship ended. Or, or God, now I have this pain that I've never had before in my life. And now what are you going to do with it? So that others can be healed. And for those little light and airy things in our lives that get us so distracted, tisk our plane. Tisk our plane, God. So what? Because I know that to live for you I'm going to keep professing you. But guess what? To die is to gain. And so God, right now, I just want to pray for the people here who, who, who may know you and love you deeply that are, are going through struggles as we remain in this time of prayer. And they're at a point of saying, 
of hurt. I ask that you just bring them to the point of saying, now what? That as they heal through that process of now what, that God, their, their trial today will be their testimony tomorrow. That their prison can be a pulpit. So God, just heal and restore them. For others who may never have ever known you, that are here today for the first time and they're hearing about this Jesus, that you don't have joy in your life. You don't understand what that is. You just have tragedy and struggle and trial and trial and trial. And you're worn out and you just came here and said, this is my last deal. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'd rather just be done with it all. And if that's you and that's what you've been saying, you have a God who loves you. You may not ever understand the, the what, but you can know that he has a why in the midst of it. And that why is going to bring you to a strong place, a place of trust in him. To where we can all reach a point and say, so what? So if you just need God to tell you now what, just kind of raise your hand where you are. Just lift your hand saying, okay, now what, God? All right, God, just speak to them and just continue to, to make clear the now what in their lives. And God, if you just need us to reach a point because so much stuff is pulling on us, where we've got to go ahead and say, this is too much. Everybody is beating me up all over the place. There are just some ridiculous people that are just sucking me down. And you just need to say, Tiscar plane, so what? Like, just raise your hand. Say, God, help me learn to just say, so what? Tiscar plane. There you go. If you just need to know him, you never have, and to receive his salvation in your life, and say, God, I need a savior. You're it. I'm tired of the darkness. I'm tired of struggling. I need this joy that the Apostle Paul so that when I know that to live is for Christ and to die is gain, I want to know that. I want to know that relationship. Just raise your hand where you are. Use this time now to connect to Jesus. Lord, we give you praise for these people. and We just ask that you just go ahead and use your spirit in our lives and use this family, this church family, to bring it about. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Our Stephen ministers are going to be up front to pray with you today. And I challenge you to just please come. Use this as a time to just let them pray with you and connect you and connect to others in the body.
we all have to come to a point where we come to the cross and surrender our lives to him. And so um, I hope that today's a good start to this first series, uh, and um, we're excited about it. Again, if you still need prayer, we'll be around. We want to go ahead and connect with that, and just really want to go ahead and be here for anybody who needs, who needs those things. Next week, we'll have week two. I'm going to put it up there. Do we have it up there, Melinda? There we go. Think again. So next week, we're going to talk about thinking again, all right? So have a great week, and remember what's the, what's the theme, wor- theme verse for this week? Tiscar Plain. Everybody, ready one more time? Imagine that when you go out here and somebody cuts you off. Have a great week. It's the song of the redeemed, rising from the African plains.